0: you are listening to limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less or the next episode is free i am kyle bolin and i'm jason cavallari and today we are talking about Mask of the Red Death, a spooky. new, yes, a spooky <laughs> game. Uh, this is a new game by IDW Games that Jason picked up at Gen Con, the Con of Gen. Mm-hmm, yeah, we're gonna be you're gonna be hearing about the Gen Con games we picked up for a while longer, I believe, or at least well one the ones we have played there. So, uh, enjoy that. Look forward to that. Did a motorcycle just drive through your house? <coughs> it might as well have it was across the street all right (laughs) mask of the red death is a game that uh, it says here that it plays between four and seven players now when we played it at gen con we played it with three yeah i don't know that we even discussed the player count before we played it no i think i just sort of assumed that you could play it with three players well how many games have a minimum player count of four (laughs) yeah not many Right, yeah, and this didn't look like the kind of game that would necessitate, like, would, would need that many players right. to, to play. So, yeah. uh, we didn't think about it. We just went ahead and played it with three, and I don't know. It didn't seem broken necessarily. Maybe no. it was. I don't know. But uh, anyway, so this, like I said, this is a game by IDW Games. It's designed by Adam Weiss, and the art is by Gris Grimley, who is a, I guess he does, like, dark children's books um, and <laughs> now board games? Kind of like
1: an Edward Gorey kind of thing? Kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the art style I can see is, I mean, it's not exactly similar, but it's in the same, like, um, yeah. thematic vein.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is based on the Edgar Allan Poe poem, "Masquerade Death. Or story. Short story. story. Yeah, I guess it was actually more of a short story, isn't it? Yes. So it's about uh, the Red Death who comes to a masquerade and uh, kills everybody. <laughs> At the stroke of midnight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yep.
1: And that is definitely what happens in this game. <laughs> <Right. laughs> well, I mean, it, it can happen, but what's uh, what you're trying to make happen is is that you survive. And are the most popular. And are the most popular. Well, I mean, if you're the only one left standing, it doesn't matter how popular you are. But what are. if two people are standing? Well, Who's then, the winner? Then, popular- <laughs> then popularity matters. That's right. <clears throat> yep. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so there's a couple of things going on in this game. Uh, one is, as we mentioned, the popularity track. So uh, the board is uh, basically a circle, and there's, um, I forget how many, it's maybe like eight wedges or six wedges or something. Seven, Seven wedges, and each one is a different color. Uh, and there's a prince, Prince Prospero, from the short story. Um, and he uh, moves according to um, a set track uh so there's some tiles that you mix up and then you place them in an order um and that determines the order of rooms that that he moves in and if you have a turn in which you are in the same room uh with the prince then you get to move up one on the popularity track so that's how the popularity thing works Um, let's talk
0: about like the general like in general what you're trying to do in this game right is you were trying to survive like you said right yeah and The general mechanic of this game is that there's a bunch of different piles of cards, right? Mm -hmm. And, well, I guess there's, like, pairs of cards, right? Yeah. One for each ten minutes of the midnight hour. And each one of those cards is going to correspond to a room and within that that ten-minute period. And when the clock finally strikes midnight, the Red Death shows up and starts murdering people every ten minutes in those two rooms. Mm -hmm. out of the seven so there's like five safe rooms every 10 minutes of the midnight hour and you want to know which ones those are for every 10 minutes and you want to be in the safe ones and that's basically the goal of the game right yeah yeah to get to the point where you are you're trying to get to the point where you have knowledge of where he's going to be and when so that you can avoid him during the midnight hour and move your guy around or your girl around on the board so that you do not get murdered by the
1: red death Right, um, yeah. And you discover, or you you try to discover his path um, through uh, like various types of, of cards. So you have some cards that dictate some certain actions that you can take. Most of them revolve around um, stealing or looking at uh, other players' cards or looking at the cards that are laid out that will dictate where the Red Death moves at midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to basically remember like you're you're not supposed to write any of this down but you're supposed to remember uh, what cards you've seen what cards you have in your hand and what cards you've you've uh, looked at from the uh, from the red death pile uh, to be able to uh, figure out what's where's going to be safe (laughs) yeah so there's like there's like those those there's those
0: piles for every 10 minutes within the midnight hour that Uh, You can, if you're really lucky, maybe you get to look at one of those, or maybe there's some cards, some action cards that allow you to do that. Uh, But then there's also piles that have everything else, right? Like, all the places that happen to be safe. Uh, And so, you might have certain actions, action cards that allow you to look at those. Maybe, like, even take those and keep them in hand so that it's easier to remember. And... Some of the other action cards that you have in hand would allow you to say, like, look at – like Jason said, like, look at the other players' cards that they've picked up at that point. Yeah. Uh, or sometimes take them. Sometimes some of these action cards will allow you to, like, uh, add popularity to yourself or remove popularity from another person. mm mm-hmm. um, move around a little bit better on the board, things like that. So, like, yeah. you've got a hand of action cards, you're trying to draft, or not draft, but uh, you're trying to draw as many of the, what well, they call them rumor cards, right, rumor yeah. cards that tell you where the Red Death will be or won't be uh, throughout the game, and then as you're figuring out all this information, you're setting up sort of like a clockwork movement uh, board for yeah. your player for the midnight hour, where... You have six different spaces and you're putting like a token on each one of the space or not putting a token on each one of those spaces to show that you're going to move clockwise, counterclockwise or not at all every 10 minutes in order to try to avoid the red death by moving between the rooms.
1: You're basically trying to program your movement at the end of the game. So right. when, when the end game is triggered, when the clock strikes midnight, um, you don't really have a whole lot of choices. Actually, you have no choices anymore. Yeah, you've made your choices. <laughs> you've made your choices by that point. Um, and you will move your figure according to the program that you've laid out over the rest of the course of the game, which hopefully you did based on enough information to tell uh, where the, the Red Death is going to strike. Yeah, and you've got 12 rounds uh, in the sort of, like,
0: learning phase of the game to use your action cards to learn as much as you can about where he's going to be and to program your character so that you do avoid the red death during the midnight hour, which is, like, the second
1: phase of the game. Yeah. So, um, the movement can be a little bit problematic because, I mean, mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in this game that involves memory and if your memory is not great like mine then you're gonna have a much harder problem Or if it's really late at night <laughs> or yeah or yeah if you decide to play this at like 11 o'clock um, but uh, so so hopefully if you've figured out where he's where he's gonna be um, and you've been able to program your movement correctly you're still probably going to have some issues because you're only allowed to move one space uh, mm-hmm. adjacent uh, at any time so um, there's some there is likely going to be some guesswork uh you're probably not going to be able to fill in all the gaps um and even if you happen to know like what's going to be a safe space at a particular time uh you may not be able to actually get to that space uh based on what you had programmed earlier Right. You might decide that you're going to start in the one space that you know is
0: safe at the midnight hour, right at 12 o'clock. Right. But at 12:10, maybe you don't know where he's going to be. So you just guess to go counterclockwise or clockwise or just stay put. And then you don't know what's going to happen the next 10 minutes after that. But you know that 10 minutes after that, he's going to be or he's not going to be like, you know, in a room that is like, you know, directly across the board from you from where you're starting at. And so you might just decide you're going to roll the dice and go clockwise from your starting space to try to get to that space by 1230 or whatever. Yeah. Um that's kind of how it felt like I was playing when we were playing this game was just basically rolling the dice on whether I was going to go clockwise or counterclockwise from the one place where maybe I knew I could start that was safe to eventually get to some other spaces that I knew would be safe like mm-hmm. 20 or 30 minutes later in yeah. the in the process.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what happened to me too. So it was like I knew I uh, I didn't know where he was going to be or I knew a couple of places that were safe at midnight. However, the place that I knew that was safe at 1210 uh, wasn't anywhere near the two that I knew would be safe. So I kind of rolled the dice for what would be safe at midnight, uh, hoping that one of the spaces next to the 1210 safe safe space uh, would, would also be safe. It turns yeah. out that that gamble was wrong, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of a choice you have to yeah. make. So, so this was a game where we played about an hour and, you know, we were trying to just kind of
0: like figure out what mechanics really mattered and everything. I don't think we really knew. I mean, like we were really focused on the popularity track. It seemed like we were being really competitive with the popularity track, treating it like a VP track in any other game. And yeah. it turned out that that was not that important no, in this it particular was game. quite needless. Because, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it, unless more than one person survives at the end of the game, then the popularity
1: track is completely meaningless. Yeah. I mean, essentially, uh, and, it's a tiebreaker. If you survive the end of the game, you've won. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. So we played the game. Uh, you know, there's how many, do you know how many action cards there are, are off the top of your head, Jason?
1: No, I, there, there's maybe like a handful of like seven or eight and like three yeah. of them you keep, right, uh, you can, you can, can them keep using and then yeah. some of them are just one-offs. Exactly, they they get they get eliminate or they,
0: you put them into a discard after you use them, and you never get them back. So right. there are certain actions you can take in this game, like I'm going to take one of your rumor cards, and now I've got it. That sort of a thing, mm-hmm. or I'm going to take away three popularity from you and give three to myself. Uh, and they all have different names that are supposed to be related to the like the hobnobbing you do at a masquerade, like you know, flirt or dance, dance or. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't remember what, like, rumor or whatever, you know. Gossip and, or and something. Gossip, yeah. yeah, gossip. And so all of them have those sorts of names that are supposed to be evocative of the theme of the party that's going on. And I guess the setting in the, the short story and everything where you're you're at this, like, highfalutin, you know, like, ball, that masquerade ball. Um, and and doing the things that, you know, like, high society people would do with this ball before they all get murdered. Yeah. Um, um
1: so yeah and that's essentially it so you know once midnight strikes the red death shows up on the board um and then he moves according to the cards that were laid out at the beginning of the game and uh, hopefully if you've uh gathered enough information and uh, and guessed <laughs> correctly in several instances hopefully you survive <laughs> Yep. this is one of those games that's mechanically
0: very simple and actually in an execution very difficult to do
1: well. <laughs> yes. I it was um, actually surprised how hard this game was to yeah. do correctly. <laughs> yeah, because... Already, you have, like, a very limited amount
0: of information that you're working from constantly. And I, I think it took us about an hour to play. So, like, over an hour, you are, like, gathering small bits of information, trying to piece that information into some sort of tapestry that means something to you, right? And mm-hmm. allows you to, it informs you and in how you're going to program your character for that midnight hour. Uh, and then, like Jason said, like, it all falls down to, often, memory, too. You know, like, being able to remember which room out of these seven rooms I saw him you know when I when I looked at a card that Jason had like a half hour ago which one was it which one was it that said that he was going to you know which room was going to be safe at 12 10 p.m. or a.m. Uh, it comes down to that sort of a thing and and being able to piece together all of that information into something that's useful because you're going to get a lot of not useful information out of a lot of those those peaks at cards or those draws from the cards and everything mm-hmm. uh, that just like doesn't mesh with the rest of the information that you've got. It doesn't, it's not useful because like Jason said, you're just not going to be close to that one room, you know, is going to yeah. be safe at 1240. You I know? mean, even
1: if you got a piece of information that was useful on every single turn, there are not enough rounds before he shows up for you to be able to know uh, for certain uh, a, a path that will keep you completely That's uh, true. Safe that, you know, lines up perfectly with a room next to, you know, uh, next to the previous safe room and so on and so forth. Yeah, because at most you can see 12 cards, right? Like, that's the most that you could possibly see in
0: this game is 12 cards. And there's 14 card. No, no, there's 12 cards in the pile because there's six. Well, there's six um, time slots and two. Two cards. So that's 12. Yeah. So I guess if you played a very, a perfect game... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah if you had perfect luck and played a perfect game then you could avoid the red death for sure like there there's it a certain se- it there. seems
1: unlikely to me well, that's <laughs> the thing
0: right yeah. yeah i mean like there was there was like at least two or three of the the 10 minute periods that i never got any information about that was useful mm-hmm. so uh, you know we were rolling the dice there and, and and it was the same thing you expressed the same thing phil expressed the same thing who who played with us so uh, none of us had an experience
1: where we felt like we knew a path that was safe right there were like bits and pieces where I was like, okay I know this this place is safe and that place is safe can I get from there to there uh when I need to and 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 that kind of thing but there's there are huge gaps in between the the known safe places where you're really just sort of F- crossing your fingers <laughs> yeah and so i think that's going to kind of inform people also as to
0: whether or not they might like the game because it does kind of fall down to a mix of using the knowledge effectively using your memory effectively and then a decent amount of luck in the end in order yeah. to win or not win because what happened was round one jason rolled the dice He decided he was going to start in a random location, but one that was, you know, adjacent to some of the areas that he knew were going to be safe for, you know, a subsequent number of 10-minute periods after Mm -hmm. 12 o'clock started. And what happened? (laughs) That was where he went first. Exactly, yeah. Red Dust (laughs) shows up. He, you know, like brushes your face and down you go right like jason was dead turn one and then turn two phil and i both went to the same location somehow we decided we were going to roll the (laughs) dice on this location simultaneously and then he shows up there and killed us and so that was it game over no
1: winner everybody died or as the the as the actual short story ends and the red death held dominion over (laughs) all yeah exactly that is what what
0: happened there? So, but you know, it was one of those things where we we had a decent time trying to piece together the puzzle on the way there, and then we all failed miserably. But unlike certain <laughs> other games where we failed miserably, this was one that caused us to just sort of burst out laughing.
1: I, it know? was hilarious.
0: It was, was hilarious <laughs> that sorry. We, we just we just died all like so suddenly, so quickly, and and it, it, I don't know like like this game is as hard as it feels as you're playing it. And, I don't know, it didn't feel like we were cheated at all at the end. Like, it mm-hmm. felt like this is a very difficult game, and if you are, you know, if you have a genius memory or something like that, then maybe you're going to excel at this uh, relative to other people that play this game with you. But for us, it, it really came down to doing the best that we can, yeah. and then,
1: like, a little bit of dice roll at the end, and then we all just rolled snake eyes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing. I mean, it, it's a competitive game. Like, you're, you're trying to be the winner Um, Mm -hmm. but I feel like uh, the way that the game is constructed and the way that you play it is it really puts everybody on equal footing yeah Um, definitely there's no nobody's going to be like the runaway winner unless as you said there's they have sort of like an ironclad memory
0: I I imagine that this is also something that you can get better at, though, if you play it a lot. So, if this is like one of those games that you just like fall in love with and play like with every group that you possibly can, I could see somebody becoming, you know, like getting better at this exercise of piecing together this, you know, six action uh, clockwork puzzle, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then maybe like just trouncing anybody that they play against after having played you know, maybe like five, six times or so. Yeah. Uh, I could see that happening, but, you know, if you're just bringing it out for like sort of like a party size game when you've got four to seven players that want to play a game that's just kind of like, you know, a goof for the most part. Yeah. Like a little bit of strategy, a little bit of actual, you know, like um real gaming going on, but in the end... Don't expect to necessarily win based on you know like being the person with the greatest strategic mind or whatever. Yeah. Uh, then this is a good game for that sort of a situation. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, a good it party game, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, instead in sort of playing like I don't know, Outburst or sure or Taboo or whatever. I mean, which are fine party games, but I, this is just sort of a uh it's a really good alternative to a lot of the standard sort of like you know Walmart Fair or whatever.
0: Yeah, and 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 there's not a lot like it. I was trying to think about this last week when when we yeah. were starting to, when we were talking about the fact that we were going to record about this game next. I was trying to think about what other games are even close to this, and the only thing I can think about is Clue because yeah, I mean, there's probably more, but like this is almost like Clue the prequel because you instead of using a bunch of hidden information and, and using sort of a process of illumination to determine who. Uh, like who the murderer was, and with what weapon, in what room. It's more like you're trying to determine where a murder will happen and avoid it. You know,
1: <laughs> yeah, so, that's true. But, I but mean, Doctor the... Lucky is a little bit like that too.
0: Yeah, that's true. Right. Um, so, so, you're using like you know, sort of like a process of elimination uh, in order to gather information, but then the real exercise is you know piecing all that information together in something that's useful, uh, which is the really challenging part of the yeah. game
1: and i and it's not helped by that i mean the, so clue is essentially uh, as you said a process of elimination but there's no like it, it's not timed like the it can go yeah. as many rounds as you need <laughs> Uh, I think the timing element of this of the Mask of the Red Death is sort of what what makes it as you know. A There's bit, real pressure. A, yeah, it, it's a it's a pressure cooker. You're, yeah, you're like, oh
0: <laughs> shoot, I don't know what's going to happen at 12:50. Hey hey hey, I'm going to use this card on you. What happens at 12:50? And then Phil looks and he's just like, oh, I don't know, I don't I have know, any 12:50. I, I don't have any cards for 12:50. And so you still don't know what's going to happen at 12:50. And then midnight comes and you're just you're just rolling the dice then on those on those rounds. <laughs> So could you imagine time, like
1: really... surviving until the very last one, and then it just <laughs> it just ends there? And you, I die. can definitely imagine that. Like, yeah, oh I mean, and, and that would be even more hilarious. I, I feel
0: like as long as everybody loses in this game, everybody's having a good time. I gotta, I wouldn't have even been sour if somebody won. I was, <laughs> it, it would have been just... amazing. Actually, like, now that I yeah. think about it, it would have been awesome. But like, I, I, this is kind of like I feel like with this game. You're gonna have a good time, whether or not everybody loses, or whether somebody actually wins. I feel like either way, everybody's having a pretty good time because it's just it's just kind of a riot in the end, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just it's funny, funny game. And it's it's got a lot of sort of like whimsy with the art, like we were talking about the artist. Um, you know, like it. it what were you comparing it to? Uh, Edward Gorey. Yeah, you know, and and. Th- I, I don't know, like, I like the colors in the game, I like the, the way that the, the board is designed, where it's, you know, that, like, sort of like, pie pieced chart sort of thing with, like, yeah. the, uh, the popularity track going around it clockwise mm-hmm. um, it's not, like, it's not a game that has, like, an immense amount of components, or like yeah. the best components in the world, but they're really cool. Like you, you get a little clock tower that keeps track of your rounds. Everybody gets their yeah, own it's, little it's like
1: an actual little tower. Yeah. And you move the you move the clock face.
0: <laughs> Everybody gets their own little DM screen, like they're playing Dungeons and Dragons to protect all their like their personal information, like where they're how they're going to program their player. That's hidden. Like that happens behind a little screen that keeps every other player from seeing how you are programming your character. Yeah. Uh,
1: so there's just lots of neat little components the art is really great um yeah i also ca- I, so i splurged for the special edition and mm-hmm. the special edition actually comes with like little plastic minis for yeah. for your characters and for the and Red those really and great stuff. yeah um, the normal game i think comes with standees um so, i mean the as somebody who really likes theme and, and thematic elements in a game like i like having the plastic minis but this game would be just as enjoyable playing with the standees <laughs> yeah i agree with that yeah, this was a game that I think
0: that we definitely enjoyed. Um, we only had the one play with it, so who knows if it holds up to multiple plays. We don't know, anyway. <laughs> uh, I don't know if this would get kind of old after five or six plays, but it was definitely fun the one time. I could see these, this being a game that I would want to pull out, specifically when we have like a higher player count in
1: in the house or whatever uh for for a game night uh yeah and it it doesn't need like people that are like really into board games either i mean it's simple enough that it's easy to introduce
0: yeah i I think that if i tried teaching this to my mom or my like stepdad or whatever they'd be like oh hell no when you start to tell them what they have to do in order to try to succeed at this game but mechanically it's simple enough that you could teach it to anybody um but yeah, I, you know, I, I doubt that I'd want to play this like every weekend, but you know, like once every two or three months. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. actually been trying to get it to, to the table again, but, uh-huh. <laughs> but it just it hasn't worked out because um, I, I really want to see if it does actually hold up to to repeat. Yeah yeah I'd like to know more about that but
0: uh, you know ultimately this is a fun time this is a cool game it's well produced Uh, mechanically it's very unique and so I I think that that it's something that if it sounds like a good time to you if you ever have uh, a group of four to seven players that would want to play something like this then I think it's a good purchase Uh, you know otherwise you know it's a it's a great thing to maybe try out at a board game shop or something like that when you've got a a sizable group you know we played it with three and it, and it worked with three so i i would say that their their four to seven count probably is a little bit of a
1: uh not necessary right you could yeah. you could
0: play it i think we did okay with
1: three yeah i mean i'm trying to think of a reason why you might need four and i, I you know based on our one play with three i think it was fine but yeah, Might, you so know, we'll you, have to play it with more people to find out.
0: <laughs> that would be that would be on each round of those twelve rounds, you would have four to seven people drawing new information that you would also be drawing from in subsequent rounds. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still like you can only take. It's not like we tapped out each other's information at any point. So I'm not no, sure that, that would even be relevant. So yeah, uh, I don't know. It's the, it's the only thing I can think of that would make it necessary to have more than three people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll have to play it more and find out. I guess. (laughs) All right. Okay, Jason, if people want to get a hold of us and talk about their love of edgar Allan poe or whatever <laughs> how
1: would they do so all right fellow poe files um <laughs> <is> the, <laughs> Pophiliacs? i don't know oh that sounds bad uh, yeah, just, just forget i said that mm-hmm. uh if you want to get a hold of us uh you can reach us through email it's lpt the podcast all one word at gmail.com uh you can tweet us at limited playtime or you can go to the website limitedplaytime.com, which will reroute you to the amazer.com which is where we are currently hosted next week will be our 25th episode. Yes. I I feel like we've
0: been celebrating a lot lately because we celebrated at 10, we celebrated at 20, which is only five episodes ago, which
1: feels like yesterday. I know, but it's a quarter Um, of a way to 100, which is... I know. Yeah, we're almost there. So
0: we've we've decided that we're going to uh, review or give our impressions about a game that I think that we are very excited to talk about, and that is Twilight Imperium fourth edition at gen con we had we rather than doing gen con stuff on sunday we had a bunch of extra friends come over and we played twilight imperium fourth edition all day at my house and uh that's what we're going to talk about so indeed yep it's what we're excited about it's how we want to spend our 25th episode i'm not sure that we'll necessarily keep it to 30 minutes for this one just because it's like a little bit of celebration but (laughs) we'll be pretty close to it okay we're not going to go extra long like we did with 10 so. I'm going to get out my party hat. Yeah. I'm going to get out my party phaser or something.
1: <laughs> my party phaser. Your party phaser as opposed to your standard standard issue phaser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've got a I've <laughs> type one laying around
0: somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you in one week with Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. Later. Bye.